0: All right, so I get the privilege of uh, speaking with you guys tonight. Kyle's away, out of town this week. He's, he'll be back this week. But uh, you, got me, you, got, you got me tonight, guys. So, yeah. All right. It would been really awkward if I said that in, like, it was just awkward silence. like, Or one person's like, "Woo!" Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. All right. What? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got a... Well, I'm not a youth pastor yet, so I don't have one yet. See? All right. So, if you have your Bibles, turn to James 5, James chapter 5. We're, going, we're only going to be looking at one verse tonight. We're going to be looking at one verse. And while you're turning there, I want to ask you guys, how many has heard the phrase, honesty is the best policy? All right. Now, do you guys know who said that first? Probably somebody in the Bible. I mean, the principal's in there, but no, uh, so so that phrase is originally like attributed to uh, Ben Franklin, but he wasn't the first one who said it. A guy named Edwin Sandys was first to say it. All right, but of course, like we all know, we uh, we all know like that saying, "Honesty is the best policy." All right? parents have said that, teachers have said that, you know, a lot of people have said that, and really, the idea behind it is you should always just be honest in any situation you should be honest. That's the best answer. That's the best response. Just be honest. So it's the best policy. Now, I'm going to share a story, and I love this story, and you guys probably heard it before, but it's the boy who cried wolf. Okay? Right? Who's heard that story? Alright. Okay? M- mostly everybody. Alright? I mean, we know the story. There was a uh, young shepherd boy who was out, you know, tending to the sheep, and he was bored. So you remember that he was told if a wolf would ever, if if a wolf ever appeared, he should cry wolf so that the villagers would come and help. So he's like, all right, I want to mess with the villagers, and so I'm going to cry wolf just to see them run and help me when there's no wolf. So he's like, all right, wolf, wolf. And the villagers come running up the hill, and to their surprise, there's no wolf. All right, there's just a boy laughing hysterically, like, ah, I got them. I got, I got those fools, and they're like, oh, don't say there's a wolf when there's no wolf. And so they leave, they go back. And then another time, he's like, all right, I'm going to do it again, because it's so much fun the first time. I'm going to do it again. So he cries, wolf, wolf, there's a wolf. And so the villagers come running back up. They're out of breath, like, where's the wolf? And, of course, there's not a wolf. Again, there's no wolf. And they're, like, mad. They're, like, do not say there's a wolf when there's no wolf. So they go back down. The The boy is laughing because he got him again. And then we know what happened. An actual wolf showed up, and so the boy's like, "Oh man, there's a wolf! I need to cry! I need to cry for help!" Wolf, wolf, there's a wolf! What happened? The boy got eaten. And as some stories, it depends on you know what rating you're doing. Like if it's PG, he didn't get eaten. But PG-13, he got eaten. All right. But of course, we're doing a PG. We're doing a PG-1. <laughs> we're doing a PG-1 where he didn't get eaten. All right. But of course. Nobody showed up, so the sheep scattered because no one came to his aid, and so the villagers later saw that the boy hadn't returned, so they go looking for him, and they find the boy weeping, and they're like, and he tells them, like, there was a wolf, and I called for you guys. Why didn't you show up? And one of the villagers told the boy, he said, no one listens to a liar, even when he's telling the truth. See, in the story, the boy wanted to deceive the villagers and amuse himself And so he cried out wolf when there was no wolf. Well, after time, the villagers were like, oh, he's just messing with us. So when he was actually telling the truth, they didn't believe him. All because he kept crying wolf when there was no wolf. He wasn't honesty. All right? To him, honesty was not the best policy. He found it more amusing to deceive them to the point they didn't even believe him. And as I think about the story, that story, I love that story because, like, His words are so powerful. When he cried wolf, they came. But he abused that and he deceived them to the point that they didn't trust him anymore. Words are powerful. And our words, um, what we say matters. Like our words are powerful and what we say matters. As I was thinking about the text today, because we're going to be talking about our words and what we say. And I was just thinking about that. And I love the book of James, how it talks about taming the tongue. We've already talked about it. Uh, verse James 1:26 talks about, he says, if the religious man cannot, if he, if the religious man cannot tame his tongue, his, religious, his religion is worthless, and he deceives himself. He says, you got to be able to tame the tongue. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 12 talk about taming the tongue. It says that the tongue is powerful. If you remember when we were going over that chapter, it says that your tongue is like the rudder on a ship. All right? The rudder is small, but it sets, the, it sets the direction for the ship. The same, is, the same thing is with our with, tongue twister. The same thing is, I can't get a sentence out. The same is with our tongue, all right? Our mouth, the words we say. Our mouth sets a course for our life. And so the tongue and our, the words we say are powerful. And as I was looking at this, I was like, all right, I just want to look at all the uh, all the things that scripture says about our words and our tongue. And some, here's some of the things I saw that it could do. All right? It can build up or tear down a person. It can build up or tear down. You can either encourage someone or you can discourage them with your words. Another thing, you can make or br- break relationships. Relationships are built on communication, the words we say. So we can make relationships and grow them and build them. But also, we can break those relationships. It only takes a few words to break a relationship. Another thing it does, we can either bless or curse. Uh, James 3 talks about that. It says that you cannot both bless God and curse his image, his image bearers. So we can bless or curse with our mouth. We can be kind or cruel. We can say kind words or cruel words. And then lastly, we can either tell the truth or we can tell lies. Say what is true or say what is false. Lie, deceive. And so we can do a lot with our mouths, with the words we say. And after reading all that, I just thought to myself, you know, what you say matters. It matters so much, and the Bible talks about that. And we're going to talk about that last one, truth or lies. Are we speaking the truth or are we speaking lies? And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be reading James 5.12. And if you don't have your Bible, the verse will be up on the screen. Let's read it together. And it says, now above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath. Your yes must be yes and your no must be no so that you won't fall under judgment. So James starts off and he says, now above all, my brothers. So he is transitioning to something important. He's telling his audience, all right, I'm about to say something important. He says, my brothers, listen up. Listen to what I'm going to tell you. He tells them, do not swear. Do not swear. Now, when we hear the word swear, I know what we we think of, all right? We're probably thinking right now when you hear the word swear. We think about, oh, the swear words, the bad words, the bad words we're not supposed to say. Now, that is true. We're not supposed to say those as believers. And that is what the word means. But also, but that's not what James is talking about here, all right? We always think about, oh, swear, don't say the bad words, But that's not what James is talking about. What James means when he says swear, the word swear shows the certainty of a statement or promise. So we use a swear to show the certainty of a statement or promise. All right? Two examples, Hebrews 6. It says that God, when God made the promise to Abraham, it said that he swore by himself. God did that because there's no one greater than God, so he swore by himself to show that he certainly will fulfill the promise. The promise he gave to Abraham will happen. That is the truth. All right, another illustration, uh, 2 Corinthians 1.23. Paul tells the Corinthians, he says, I call on God as a witness. God is my witness on my life that I did not come to see you, to spare you. I spared you by not coming to see you. He says, God as a witness to say, hey, that is the truth. You can certainly believe that that is the reason I did not come to see you. And so what the Bible means when it says do not swear, or the word swear, is we're showing the certainty of a statement of promise, all right? I I can look at Bryce and say, and Bryce asked me, hey man, can you help me? I can say, yeah, I'll help you. I swear, I swear to God, I will help you. Say that I will help you, and you know with certainty that I will help you, right? That was the usage of the swear, all right, swear, or another way to say it is to take an oath. All right, the Old Testament talks about that. So many characters in the Old Testament would swear or take an oath to show that the promise they have made or the statement they made is true, um, and so they were used for good. And of course, the Old Testament the law, this is what it said on it: it said that if you if you make a promise, if you make a promise and you swear on it or you take an oath, you must fulfill it. So if you say you're going to do something and you swear on God's name, you better fulfill it. Because the third commandment says, do not take the Lord's name the Lord don't take the Lord's name in vain. And that's what you're doing when you use his name to make an oath or swear on his name and you don't keep it. You're sinning against God. And so it says, all right, if you make a promise and you swear on it, you better fulfill it. But then here in James, James says, he tells his audience, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't swear. Now, you may be thinking, this sounds familiar, all right? This sounds familiar. I feel like this is said somewhere else, all right? Jesus says the same thing on the Sermon on the Mount. He says the same thing. Because the reason Jesus addresses it is because they were being abused. And I believe they were still being abused when James writes his readers, one thing that the Jews were doing was they were they were abusing, they were abusing oaths and swears. They were deceiving others through them. All right, the Old Testament says, do not, if you make a, if you swear on God's name, or you make take an oath in God's name, you better fulfill it. Well, they came up with the smart idea: okay, if we don't swear in God's name, or we don't, or we don't take an oath in his name, then it's not binding. And so they went around making oaths and swearing by the heavens, swearing by the earth, and swearing by the heads on their the head the hairs on their heads, like Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus also says in uh, Matthew 23. He also talks about them swearing by the temple, because what they were saying was, "Oh, if I swear by the temple, it's not binding. But if I swear by the gold in the temple." I'm obligated to do it. He also says that about the, the altar. If I swear on the altar, it's not binding. But if I swear on the offering on the altar, I'm obligated to do it. And so they're trying to find a loophole and deceive people through these oaths. So if I, if I, um, if, all right, I'm gonna use Zach this time, okay? Let's say Zach says, Alex, I need your help. And I say, yeah, man, I'll help you. I swear, I swear on the heavens. Well, I don't show up, and Zach comes to me and be like, hey, man, I asked you for your help. Why didn't you show up? Oh, well, I swore on the heavens, so it's not binding. All right? Then Zach's mad because I told him that I would be there, and I swore, but I didn't keep it. All right? I did that to deceive Zach. All right? Because I didn't feel like doing it. I didn't feel like helping him that day. And so I just didn't go, but it wasn't binding. And so that was the problem is that the Jews were using it to deceive people. They're using it for deception. Because they might have the attention intention then to help, but later they're like, I don't feel like it. It's not binding, so I'm not obligated to do it. And so the, so the thing that Jesus wanted them to see was, you have deception in your heart. You're deceiving them. Because you're telling them you're going to do something, but you don't do it. Because, because it's not binding. Well, Jesus makes the point that if you swear on anything, well, God's behind it. You swear by the heavens, that's God's dwelling place. If you, if you swear by the earth, that's God's footstool. If you swear by the head by the um, hairs on your head, well, you can't even make them. You can't you can't change the color of them. He knows how many ha- hairs are on your head. And so God stands behind all of that. So if you make a promise and you don't keep it, whether you swear on. Uh, a person, or on God, or on the heavens, or whatever, you're obligated to keep that. But you're using it to deceive people. You have deception in your heart. And so even Jesus says, don't do it, don't swear, don't take oaths. And so he calls, so he calls them out for their deception. He says, don't do it. So both Jesus and James say, don't do it, don't swear, don't take oaths. Now, I want to ask a question, why does James and Jesus tell believers not to swear or make an oath? Why does He tell them to do that? The first, the first reason He tells, they tell them to do that is because it was used for deception. The whole point of taking an oath or swearing was to show that what you were saying was certain, that it was true. That if I told Zach that I'm going to help him, that is the truth. But they were deceiving them, saying, "Oh, it's not binding." It's not binding, so I don't have to do it. So they, were, they had deception in their heart. They were deceiving them. They were deceiving the people that they were giving these, uh, these oaths to. And so Jesus and James says, don't do it. Because you're using it for deception. You're deceiving others. And that's the first reason why they tell you that, is were that using it for deception. Now there's another reason and James talks about this in the second half of the verse. So let's look at verse 12 again. He says in the second half, your yes must be yes and your no must be no so that you won't fall under judgment. Jesus says a similar, similar thing in the Sermon on the Mount. In, verse, uh, in Matthew 5, verse 37, he says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. So they both say that your yes must, Your yes should mean yes, and your no should mean no. I mean, it's that simple, that you should take those words at face value. Another way to say this is, say what you mean and mean what you say. Say what you mean and mean what you say. So if I say, yes, I will help you, that should mean I'm going to help them. I will be there, and I will help you. If I say no, then what I mean is I will not be there, and I will not help you. Your yes means yes and your no means no. Really, what it comes down to is you're just telling the truth. You're telling the truth. That yes, I will be there, or no, I won't be there. And it's interesting that after after James says, let your yes mean yes, or your yes must be yes and your no must be no, he says that so that you will not fall under judgment You will not fall under judgment. Because we got to remember, as believers, Christ is going to look at our actions one day, and he's going to judge us. He'll look at our actions and what we did for him after he saved us, after we came into the body, the body of Christ. And one of the things he'll look at is our words. And so James tells them, all right, simply just let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. And you will not be judged for your words. There'll be nothing to judge if you simply just tell the truth. Be honest. Don't let your yes mean something else or your no mean something else. Don't let it be, yeah, I'll help you. But in reality, you're like, I don't know if I'm going to help you or not. It depends on how I feel that day. Maybe my allergies are going to be bad. And I'm going to be like, oh man, I don't want to help them. because I got to help him outside and I got to help Garden or something. And I don't want to mess with my allergies. You're being dishonest. So you simply have to let your yes mean yes, your no mean no. So that when we stand before Christ, we wouldn't have to tell him, oh, why I didn't keep my word. Why I was being dishonest. So that's why he says that. Just simply let your yes mean yes, your no mean no. Just speak the truth. And so here's a second reason why James and Jesus tells his believers not to make an, to swear and make an oath. is. Your words alone should be truthful. It's that simple. Your words alone should be truthful. I shouldn't have to say, yeah, I'll help you. I swear to God. Or, yeah, I'm going to enter an oath with you so that you know that I'm telling the truth. Simply my yes should be enough. Yes, I'll help you. That should be enough. And when I say that, I should be telling the truth in that, that I will, and help, I will help you. That that is my intention to help you. I love um, one, one of my favorite commentators, uh, David Guzik. I love what he says on this. He says, the need to swear or take an oath demonstrates that there is not enough weight in your own character to confirm your words. We do that because there's not enough weight in our character to confirm our words. Another way to say this is your words are weak. Your words are weak. They're not enough. All right? All right? Me saying, yes, I will help you, isn't enough. They need, it says that they need more to trust me, to know that I'm telling the truth. And so that's the problem with it, is that it says that it's not enough. My words aren't enough. When in reality, James says that for believers, that should be enough. Your word alone should be enough. That your word should be the truth. That when you say yes, you mean yes. And that when you say no, you mean no. Because as believers, we should be able to trust each other. We should be able to trust what we say, what the other person says. Um, so the believer's words should be honest and truthful. They should be honest and truthful. We should be honest in what we say, and it should be the truth. It shouldn't be, there should be no falsehood or deception in our words. Because the whole problem with the oaths and, and, and the swearing was that the Jews were using it for deception. They were using it to deceive others and have a way out. And so they're using it for false deception. But we shouldn't, but we shouldn't be doing that. James says, don't do that. Be truthful and honest. Don't give falsehood. Don't give um, false truth. Don't deceive. There's, there's so many ways that we fall into falsehood and deception. Even as believers, we continue to do it. Even though that we've been made new in Christ, we're a new creation, we continue to do that. We continue to deceive and give falsehood. Here are some ways that we fall into that, all right? Okay. Yep, nope, Don't, they're not up on the screen. All right, the half-truth, okay? Yep, there we go. Okay, the half-truth. The half-truth basically... Basically, you tell part of the truth, but not the whole truth. You tell part of it, but not the whole truth. Yeah, yeah, I'm the one who punched the hole in the wall. But it was an accident. It was an accident. I didn't mean to. When in reality, you got mad, and you intend to put a hole in that wall. Yeah, I, was th- yeah, I did it, but it was an accident. You didn't tell them the whole truth that you intentionally did that. So you tell part of the truth, but you don't tell the whole truth. And then there's the white lie, there's the white lie, the lie that won't hurt anybody. And of course, there's a saying, what they don't know won't hurt them, what they don't know won't hurt them. And so you could, you could wake up one morning and be like, oh man, I don't feel like going to work, or I don't feel like going to school, so yeah, I'm sick, I'm not feeling well. They won't know, so it won't hurt them. But the thing is, you're still lying, you're still deceiving, because you're not sick. You can still go to work. You can still go to school. So there's the white lie that we, that we think, oh, it won't hurt them. It won't hurt anybody. And then there's a the lie to cover someone else, right? You cover up for someone. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So-and-so is on his way. Text him later. Oh, what, dude, where are you at? Where are you at? I said you're on, I said, I told him that you're on your way. You better be on your way, right? We lie to cover up for someone else, and then there's exaggeration. All right? We stretch the truth. We stretch the truth to make ourselves look better or get sympathy from other people. Yeah, I went, yeah, I went on a fishing trip. Man, I caught a fish this big. Dude, you should have been there. It was, it was humongous. When in reality, my fish was this big. It was a goldfish from the store. All right? We exaggerate the truth because when I said this when my fish was this big, I called it fish that big. The story is so much more interesting than, yeah, I call it like a little fish, a little goldfish. I named it Nemo, right? That the other so- story sounds better than that. So we stretch the truth to make ourselves look better or cause sympathy in other people. And then another one the cover up lie. We hide the truth so that we don't hurt the other person. This is the one where we rationalize our lying. We say, okay, it's better that we lie than hurt them. Because if we tell them the truth, we could hurt them, and they might get mad at us, they might might not be friends with us anymore. But we're still lying. You're still lying. Because you're trying to cover up the truth. When the Bible tells you, you need to be honest, even when it hurts, Right? There's been times when my friends or someone in my life has been honest with me, even when it hurt me. But of course, they were doing it for my benefit, for my growth. And then lastly, there's the evasive lie. Right? We probably, I know I've done this, and you've probably done this, but we try to change the subject or we dodge the truth. Son, did you break the vase? Mom, your hair looks great today. I mean, uh. Oh, uh, did you know that uh, Olivia, Olivia did this? We we try to get away from the truth. We try to we try to dodge it. Oh, they know that I might have done it, and I don't want I don't want them to know the truth. So let's let's, let's shift them away, make them think about something else. So we do that evasive lie. Now, of course, I'm not calling anybody out because I can tell you that I've done all of these I've done all of these lies. All right, I can probably, probably give an example from my life where I've done each one of them. All right, but we all fall into this. We fall, all fall into this. We've, all done, we've probably all done these. Because the problem is we're, we're sinners and we're liars. We're all liars. And if you just saw in your head that you're not a liar, you just lied, and now you're part of the Liars Club. Welcome. All right, But we're all liars, and we all fall into this. We all lie. We all deceive. And James James tells us, don't don't deceive, don't deceive, don't lie, be honest in what you say, be truthful. Simply, your yes should be yes, and your no should be no. Um, I'll share a verse, and I love this verse, uh, Ephesians 4.25. Right before this verse, Paul talks about putting off the old self and putting on the new. He says, "All right, now that you're in Christ, you should put off that old sinful self and put on the new person in Christ. Put on that new self, the person who is a follower of Christ." And this is, and here's what he says right after he says that, in verse 25 of Ephesians 4. He says, "Therefore, putting away lying, speak the truth each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one body." He says, "Put away the lie. Put away lying. All right. Put away that old liar, that old deceiver, that old sinful self. Put it away. And be that. And put on the new. That new person who speaks the truth. We should be. We should put away lying. And speak the truth. There's two people that came to my mind. I was just looking at this." One person who's a liar and one person who is a truther. Alright? A liar and a truther. And I'm not gonna say the, and I'm not gonna tell you the real names or give you an indication of who it could be. But I named one person Carl, and one person Chris. I just want to say with the C names. So I ha- I know a person named Carl. Not really, but someone who is a liar. So many times they they deceive you and they don't want you to know the truth. And so Carl has lied to me a lot. He has deceived me. And of course, my relation with him is rocky because he's lied and deceived me. That trust has withered away. He's still still living in that old self. He's still continuing to lie and deceive. And then there's Chris, who is a truther. He tells the truth. Anytime I talk to him, He's always, anywhere he says is truth, is the truth. There's no lying, there's no deceiving. And he's even told me the harsh truth. He didn't care about, you know, not hurting me. He was like, Alex, here's the truth. Even if it hurts you, here's the truth. Ephesians tells us don't be lying anymore, don't be the liar or deceiver, don't be that person anymore. Be the one who speaks truth. Be a truther. He says in the rest of that verse, we are members of one body. Speak truth to one another. We are a community of truth speakers. Believers should be speaking truth. Being honest. We're no longer just liars and deceivers. But we're a new creation. And that's what James is telling us. Now, As we come to a close, I want to leave you with three takeaways, three takeaways that we get from these verses. First of all, we should put away lying and deceit. Like I said, we are in Christ now. We shouldn't be lying and deceiving. Paul says, put that away. James Jesus says, get rid of that deceit in your heart. Do not swear. Get rid of that deceit. That's not who you are anymore. So, we got to put away the lying and deceit. Whether it be the white lies, the cover ups, the exaggerations, any of those lies, any form of deception, we should put those away. And then we should speak truth. The words we say should be truth, they should be honest. Simply, our yes should be yes and our no should be no. We're called to speak truth. And then lastly, we represent Christ who is truth. I put this last point in there because we're supposed to be representing Christ in our lives. And especially in the words that we say. Because the words are so powerful. What we say matters. And it is through our words that we represent Christ. And you can't be representing Christ when you're continuing to lie and deceive. John, uh, not John, Jesus in John 8, he called the Jews, li- he called the Jews liar. Because they were saying, "Oh yeah, you know, God the Father is our Father," but we don't believe you're the Son of God. And Jesus says, "Jesus says, if you if you were truly, if God was truly your Father, then you would believe in me. But you don't believe in me, so you're not you're not um. You're li- you're lying, you're being you're liars, you're decei- you're deceiving yourselves." He says, "You are your father, the devil." The father of lies. That's what Jesus calls the devil. The father of lies. If you're lying and deceiving, you're being of your father Satan. The father of lies. So you're not representing Christ when you lie and deceive. You're representing Satan. The father of lies. And so that's why scripture tells us to put away those things. Because we represent Christ who is truth. Jesus says in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, I am the truth. We know that God's word is truth. And John tells us that he is the word in the flesh. He is truth in the flesh. So we need to be putting away lying and deceit. Putting those things to death and speaking the truth. Because we represent Christ who is truth. He is truth. The truth. Let's pray. Dear Father God, thank you for this time, Lord. God, I just pray you help us to take this to heart, Lord, just what your word says about our words. Lord, our words are powerful. What we say matters. And God, I pray that we would put to, we would put off, put away the lying and deceit in our lives. Lord, so many times we're good liars and we don't even realize it. We're good sinners and we don't even realize it. And so Lord, help us to put those things off and rather speak truth. Speak what is honest, what is true. In the church, in our family, with our friends, in school, wherever we're at, God, help us to be speaking truth. The words that come about our mouths, are true, and they're honest. God, help us as we represent Christ who is truth. Lord, I just pray for you students. I pray for whatever's on the hearts and minds, Lord. God, help us to grow closer to you and to honor and glorify you and all that we say and all that we do. In Jesus' precious name, amen. All right, free to go. Have a good week. Also, I just want to, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Also, I just want to say, uh, I'm not saying 100% that this is correct, but connect groups, I'm almost positive, are starting back next Sunday. I know that's been like three weeks since we've done them. So, just so you know, we're probably starting back up next, this Sunday. No. No.